Hello and welcome to the Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show. Today I think we're number 22, which is very auspicious. 22 is always a good number. It's the number of um, the master number, the number of buildings. So we're going to build something. And it is actually an interesting period. Today, I don't know if you noticed, I think we talked about it uh, before. Um, a few times, I think I mentioned it, that I think that when Mercury is in, um, just checking to see if I'm, yeah, I'm recording it, that when Mercury is in Pisces, and it's been for the last three weeks or so, we're having a mini uh, Mercury, re Mercury retrograde. Now, I thought about it today as I was walking down from the coffee shop. Yeah, I needed to fuel up uh, before we start. And I was thinking as I was walking uh, under the palms of Manzanita Street, I was thinking about why is this Mercury in Pisces? A, why did it make me think for the first time about the fact that it's a mini Mercury retrograde? Uh, but also why it affected us in such a way? And I looked around and it was really like as if the last three weeks were some kind of a Mercury retrograde, a mini Mercury retrograde. Well, not so mini if you were taking the flight in China that crashed where, and you are uh, one of the 132 people who died. Uh, or maybe if you're in Shanghai and you just heard that you're going to be in lockdown, which is the biggest lockdown since the beginning of the pandemic in China. So the Mercury retrograde in a uh, mini Mercury retrograde in Pisces. So first of all, the reason why I thought about it is because of you guys, because Remember, we started, I promised, for the last month, because it's mainly Mercury retrograde. I don't, um, I'm not going to be too hard on myself, that uh, I promised you guys to go over the signs and see which planets are um, uh, fallen, which planets are exalted, uh, to understand more the energy behind your archetype. And we did Aries uh, last week, so I can officially say that I began. But then I was thinking a lot about it. And, and remember, we talked about how Mercury, when it is in Pisces, is fallen, meaning that it's getting it's it's getting the worst kind of energy. Why? Because he would rather be in the opposite sign of Virgo. So if you really like to be in, let's say, Hawaii and you are now all the way down in all the way in the other side, let's say in Finland, you might feel down because it's going to take you about, I don't know, a day or more days to get to your favorite place in the world, which is Hawaii. Same thing with um, the planets. If you if Mercury loves to be in Virgo because he can pay attention to small details and everything is going to be perfect and the message is going to deliver perfectly well and there is a lot of scientific background behind it because Virgo is very diligent, then Mercury feels great there. It means that on the opposite side, all the way to the other side of the zodiac, on the other side of the wheel, on the other side of the zodiac planet, you will find Pisces. And Pisces is kind of one big Mercury uh, retrograde because Pisces is like Alice in Wonderland and she's awfully confused and she doesn't understand what the White Queen is saying by forward memory and she doesn't get it right uh, what the uh, Mad Hatter is saying and why is that cat coming in and out of being able to be seen. So all of these things are awfully confusing to Mercury who wants to understand how things work. Mercury is very, you know, connected to the nervous system and therefore in Pisces he doesn't feel as strong as well and I always give the example of your cell phone being Mercury falling down the toilet or in your kitchen sink when you're um, cleaning the dishes washing the dishes so that's the Mercury retrograde it's a machine that is having to deal with Pisces which is water and in the last three weeks, we've, we've seen it again and again. I'll give you some examples. And even yesterday, 
just as Mercury was about to move into Aries, which he is today, by the way, so we're kind of over it, um, there were a lot of things happening. Uh, first of all, the New York Times came, and a lot of other, uh, actually, uh, outlets came out with uh, the genie coming out of the bottle. I'm talking about Jeannie Thomas and uh, the wife of the Supreme Court, uh, Thomas Clarence, uh, Clarence. I mean, I think it's really interesting how a lot of these texts that were posted or were sent in 2020 uh, are now surfacing really strongly. So that's the first one, kind of like the Mercury in Pisces. It brings up stuff. So that's always what I told you about Mercury retrograde, hence also Mercury minor retrograde, is that it is confusing. It is causing our brain to go a little bit off, but it also resurfaces or brings things into the open. So that's one of the things that um, I've noticed in the last three weeks. So there's a lot of accidents. There were a lot of uh, mishaps. There was a lot of discoveries happening in the last three weeks. I mean, we're talking about it today because today officially Mercury has moved into Aries, which is a completely different energy, and it's going to be there until I think April 10 or 11. Uh, so we have some time right now with Mercury going uh, direct, of course, until May 10 is going to go direct, but at least in, in signs that are more conducive for him. But I think the reason why it was so affecting us, this Mercury in Pisces, because once a year we have Mercury in Pisces, and maybe we don't pay attention to it too much because other planets are retrograding. So there's a one big retrograding motion. So the fact that Mercury is in Pisces might not be a big deal. But remember, until April 28, we have no retrogrades whatsoever. So the fact that Mercury is in Pisces, relatively speaking, because there's no other retrograde, affects us much stronger so at least now we figured it out uh, at the end in the last few hours of mercury retrograde and i think that the, one of the interesting thing that was happening yesterday in the speech biden's speech in warsaw if you heard he was talking about how uh, he lamented that putin is still in power which is something we all do uh, putin cannot remain in power he said or something like that and everybody started jumping all over it about my god it's a mistake it's a gaffe whatever you know it's kind of interesting that everybody is all up in arm with it especially the kremlin came up with really interesting um statement considering the fact that putin went into ukraine to make uh, a change of uh, power he basically said zelensky can't stay there or you know what i'm going to replace him with something i mean come on and it was interesting also to watch uh, the world um, going on uh, about how uh, Putin suggested that he is very much like J.R. Rollins and that he is a subject of the council culture of the West. It's so funny to me, you know, because it's, it's something that we saw also with Trump, that when you have bullies and the bullies are confronted once and for all, they immediately go into the victim mode as if all of these years of bullying and seeing how these victims behave, they finally absorb their victimhood. And now they become victims. So he literally said that without smiling. I mean, if he would smile, at least it would be kind of clever or funny. But he was really serious about how he's being canceled or his Russia is being canceled in a sense because of his action. And he compares himself to um, uh, the author of Harry Potter. You know, it's kind of weird. And then he suggested something that was really pissing me off. He said about how the West is canceling Russian culture, including Tchaikovsky. He specifically said Tchaikovsky. Now, 
that just that you understand. I mean, this is the Putin that had these laws against gays and lesbians in Russia. You can't basically go on a TV show and say I'm gay because that's going to be propaganda suggesting that other kids should also be gay because they might admire you, right? Tchaikovsky was gay, okay? That's first thing. Second thing, that Tchaikovsky, with all due respect, could not play his concert on uh, the piano's first concert, if you remember. Uh, he couldn't play it in Russia. Nobody wanted to um, actually commission him to play that uh, because they th thought that he was hurting the piano, that he was pum, 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 you know, that he was basically hitting the piano aggressively, right? So where did he perform it for the first time? In Boston, you know, in standing ovation in the American culture that cancels uh, Russian cultures for thousands of years, you know. But anyway, it was kind of interesting for me as a person who tries to cancel a whole country and call it not existing, that he's worried about the West canceling him. So it was kind of a interesting thing. I told you it's kind of a it's a funny um, week, especially if you're here in America and you read uh, uh, Jeannie Thomas's uh, um, te texts that she was sending to her best friend who was the. You know, working with Trump at that time, it was really interesting to watch all of that happening. And I told you, it would have been perfectly funny if it wouldn't be tragic about what's happening in Ukraine and the uh, plane accident that happened in um, uh, China. And remember, in the book of 2022, and I don't like to be saying, oh, when I told you that, because what can you do? I mean, uh, certain things must happen because they're connected, energetically speaking, to the zygis, the, the spirit of the time. But the idea of the airplane uh, crashing in, in China, that was the worst, I think, um, aviation disaster in China. But if you look at my book on the section that I wrote about the eclipses, and we're heading towards the eclipses. We're going to have one in April 30th, one in May uh, 15, 16. Then we're going to have one in October 25 and November 9. And these eclipses are the south node. The south node is like the tail is going to be in Scorpio. And think about it. Tail, Scorpio, the first thing you think about is the stinging power. And of course, Scorpio keyword is death. And the north node is in Taurus, right? The head of the dragon is in Taurus. So the head is very stubborn, but at least it's in Taurus. And the south node is in Scorpio. And I looked, historically speaking, 1985, the last time we had south node in Scorpio, was considered to be the worst year in a in accidents of aviation, in disasters of aviation. We had again and again and again flights that crashed. Now, listen, I had just booked my flight, so I'm not saying don't fly, and it might be my flight that's going to be crushed uh, next, you know. But I'm just saying it's really interesting that it is starting already to happen, um, that connection between what happened in 84, 85, and what is happening to us now. So again, if you want to really understand what does it all mean, it doesn't mean you don't have to fly uh, airplanes or if your husband is a pilot to start worrying about him. I mean, uh, some protection would be good, but you know what it means is that we are seeing echoes or reverberations happening from those years in politics and in you know aviation or whatever. You could really look into your own life and see what was going on there or at 84, 85, 2003, 2004. Like literally make a list of all the significant things that happened to you back then in 84, 85, if you were alive. Then you can go to 2003, 2004 and try to see already patterns because patterns are formed after three. That's why the triangle, uh, the trinity is such an important shape. It's the first enclosed uh, geometrical form, right? So the idea is that a pattern, something that is 
in the concrete, in the here and now, affecting us emotionally, spiritually, physically, has to have has to do with something with three. That's why in the tree of life, I always point there because in my office that's where the uh, uh, tree of life is. Uh, three is understanding. So once you un- when something happens three time on your march, get set, go. You know that there is a pattern. You know that there is something that repeats itself. So we have two eighty four, eighty five. 2003, 2004, and now uh, 2022-2023. Okay, so you can always look at that. You can also go back 65, 66 uh, to see, you know, and then maybe you already have three, so you can already uh, create a square. You know, but the idea is to look back in time and see what was going on, because again, patterns tend to repeat themselves. That's how we build astrology based on cycles and patterns overall. So that was our Mercury retrograde, mini Mercury retrograde in Pisces. And so if you have Mercury in Pisces in your chart, you don't have to start, you know, uh, complaining about it. Or That's part of your uh, journey. And what I've always noticed is that that Mercury in Pisces can cause you to be confused maybe a little bit. But you know what? Without it, you wouldn't have imagination. Or without it, you wouldn't be having the position you have now in your uh, job, which they're paying you to be a little bit confused, but therefore see things before um that um oh somebody just told me that uh Tchaikovsky was a Taurus that totally makes sense because Taurus is very sensuous and very connected to music music art design colors all ruled by Taurus go Taurus north node is now in Taurus that's why Tchaikovsky is coming up because the dragon is now in um in May 7 great <laughs> he was born May 7 so that is, um, it will be interesting to see if he had any kind of pieces in C-sharp, because C-sharp is Taurus. Remember, we talked about Beethoven a long time ago, Beethoven, I think you call him here, um, with his Moonlight Sonat, which was in uh, C-sharp, Taurus. Anyway, that was um, a little bit about the Pisces retrograde. I had another uh, little insight. I'm sorry I have to bore you with all my insights, but who am, who else am I going to talk to about it? I don't have... My cat left me, by the way. For those of you who do not know, because some of you know, remember my black cat that used to come here every once in a while? He is no longer with us. Not that he's dead. No, no, he's not dead. I think I'm the only person that I know whose cat left him um, for a neighbor. You know, totally the typical story that you would imagine with a boyfriend or a girlfriend happened to me with a cat. He was a Capricorn. So don't get uh, Capricorn cats uh, if you can. Uh, because uh, they might um, uh, drift away eventually. That's what happened with him. I think it's because I travel so much that he basically is so intelligent and so beautiful that he decided to uh, walk around and see if there's anybody else in the neighborhood, and apparently he did find somebody. Uh, Actually, that neighbor told me about him coming over, and um, he comes every once in a while to see that I'm not crying or or that I'm over, you know, the situation. Uh, so he's kind of nice. He comes at nights to see that I'm okay. But after he sees that I'm okay and got over him, he just walks away and goes back to his other, uh, the new house. Yeah. I think my next book is going to be uh, My Cat Left Me. It's a great title, I think. But anyway, what I wanted to show, uh, remind you, because I have to remind myself to remind you, is that uh, I added a new class on April 14. It's going to be one day before Passover and three days before Easter. And we're going to talk about the spiritual meaning of these holidays and how you can embody these holidays so that it can be more meaningful for you if you celebrate Passover or Easter. So it's going to be April 14 at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 in UK. It's through Alternatives. 
So yeah, the genie is out of the bottle. We talked about it, conspiracy theories. It's kind of interesting that um, uh, also her husband, uh, Clarence Thomas, actually uh, was the only person who felt uh, out of the nine that the records of January 6th should not be revealed. Now at least we know why. Before that, we just thought that maybe... You know, he just tried to be more balanced. I don't know what. It's the only justice that decided that uh, the January 6th uh, um, information or everything that was around that should not be um, exposed to people. And probably his uh, uh, wife also texted him to do that, you know. But it's kind of interesting. Again, all of this was happening during Mercury in Pisces. Now, another thing I was thinking about uh, this week... Uh, I was talking to my friend. It was Purim. Remember that we talked about the full moon last week, that the full moon is Purim. The full moon in um, Virgo, it's actually the 13th of Adar, but it's uh, celebrated until the 15th of Adar. Uh, in uh, the Jewish calendar, all the months start on the new moon. Therefore, 15 or 2 uh, is a very important uh, month, a time in the month because it basically is 14, 15 days after the beginning of the month, which means the full moon. So a lot of the Jewish holidays will fall on the full moon. Hence, uh, Tu Be'av, which is the holiday of love in Aries, in Leo, or Tu Bishvat, which is the holidays of trees that are celebrated during um, Capricorn usually, which is Earth, of course. And Purim, which is celebrated during Pisces. And we talked about it, how Pisces is related to costumes, right? We think about Alice in Wonderland and think about all of the fantasy and how imagination works, that we put on concepts or ideas with different claws, different uh, costumes, so we can see them clearly. That's the whole idea of the subconscious and the unconscious. And then I thought about how it is very interesting because the full moon during the time of Pisces is in Virgo. Therefore, we have the virgin or the maiden, uh, the energy of the goddess in a sense. And then I thought about the book. That it's actually a scroll in the Bible. One of my least favorite books. I, I really don't like that book. It's the book of Esther. Uh, a lot of feminists like that, but lately a lot of post-feminists don't like that because basically it's uh, um, an... Never mind. The story, if you can read the story of the of the uh, poor of this book of Esther, you'll see that at the end uh, you have this typical situation of people who are abused that become abusers. And the Jews, after they manage to uh, avoid being massacred, massacre on their own uh, thousands of people. It's kind of sad. Uh, I, I, the only reason I know about it is that one time I invited a friend of mine who's not Jewish uh, to the synagogue while they were reading that. And at the end, it was kind of embarrassing. Instead of having the happy end where everybody is together, uh, the happy end in the book of Esther is that Jews go on some kind of a genocide, you know, starts murdering people there like crazy. Not only the people that were guilty, but in general. So not the best book to read, not the most spiritual book, uh, highly unrecommended. But it's a very nice holiday, especially for kids. Now we know in research that the holiday is probably related to Puru. Puru sounds like Purim. Puru is the lot, uh, or um, yeah, lots, and it's in its Babylonian. It's a very old holiday that might be related to the Persian New Year. Uh, the whole story is taking place in Iran, remember Persia, because two days after that, three days after that, of course, was the um, astrological New Years, with the Akkadian New Years, and the Sumerian New Year. So it could be that Purim was a celebration very similar to Santeluria, uh, Saturnalia, uh, before the. Uh, 
the new years that we celebrate on January 1st that was happening, remember we talked about it, 23, 24, 25 of December, so just before the uh, calendar's new year, according to Julius. And the same thing is uh, with the calendar of the uh, uh, Iranian or the par- Persian, that this holiday of t- putting on costumes and so forth might be related actually to the new year. It's almost as if it's spring. And, you know, like we're getting now this week, we're going to have April 1st. April 1st is a day that you pull jokes on people. That's the same kind of idea. It's it's dressing up words or dressing up ideas. I mean, these days, April 1st used to be a time, remember, where there was everybody was uh, pulling pranks on uh, people, kind of like lying, but then saying, no, I'm sorry. April 1st is now every day since the last, I don't know, four, five, six, seven years, since 2016, I think, that the whole mass disinformation campaign started happening. I think that every day is kind of uh, April 1st. I mean, if, if if a wife of the Supreme Court is sending lies over text and really believes that, uh, not on April 1st, it's kind of worrying. So it means that April 1st is all day. The fool, the joker, basically conquered the whole year lately. But what I was thinking about is how similar the word Esther and Ashtara and Oestre and Ishtar are. Because, and of course, it's not that I paid attention to it and that's it. I mean, there's a lot of research about it. But the idea that Esther sounds very much or has the same um, sound as Oestre, which is a Saxon goddess, right, that Easter is based after. And Ishtar, which is um, uh, the goddess, the mother goddess, uh, and the, how it relates to Ashtara, which is basically up until the 4th century BCE, we know that Jews in Israel were celebrating Yahweh and his concert, Ashara, Ashtara. She was slowly edited out of the Bible, but research now shows that until the Maccabim, or until the 3rd century BCE, 4th century BCE, the goddess was worshipped in Israel, in Jerusalem. She was worshipped. We know that also from King David and his wife, Michal, which was the daughter of Saul. She had statues of uh, uh, the goddess, right? So it's kind of an interesting thing that basically the, celebra- the goddess was very much involved in Judaism until she was kicked out or excommunicated, or divorced, basically, in the 4th, 3rd century BCE. Which is kind of uh, interesting, because the whole idea of the goddess Oestre, or in the Saxon tradition, which is all the way on the other side of uh, Europe, you know, if you consider Israel in the west, in the east side most of the Mediterranean, you're talking about the left side, uh, the west side, she was the goddess of dawn, the goddess of new beginning. Why new beginning? Because remember that we're talking about Easter. Easter is Aries. The day is divided, every day is divided, that the first two hours after dawn belongs to Aries. The two hours after belong to Taurus. The two after belongs to Gemini and so forth. Why two? Because there's 24 hours in a day. That's 12 signs. So always, if you wake up and you see the sun just rising, you're in Aries mode. That's actually very recommended to wake up at that time. Not that I do it because Aries is the alarm clock. Remember, we talked about Aries being the red energy, the um, awakener in a sense. That's why Moses, Muhammad and um, Christ were all Aries because their job was to shake us up and to wake us up from the slumber of Pisces. That's the whole idea behind Exodus. That's what I'm going to talk a lot about in um, April 14. 
about the whole idea of that concept of dawn. You're dawning, you're coming into life. So in the Northern Hemisphere now, you should feel like you're starting to wake up physically, emotionally. So again, the idea of Oestre, Esther, uh, that is related to the last full moon of the year before the uh, equinox, before we get the alarm clock of the goddess of dawn. So I just thought it was really interesting how all of these goddesses from different traditions and also in the Bible uh, reflect to each other. And then I thought about this piece of information that I remember reading about it, so that's why I had to retrieve it to you. It's from 419 BCE, and we're talking about Egypt. Egypt at that time is under the Persian rule. Remember uh, Purim, uh, the king of uh, the king of um, Persia that is ruling from India all the way up to uh, Egypt. So Egypt is conquered by the Persians. And there is an island, the Elephantine Island in the Nile, very much in the south part of Egypt. There is a garrison there of Jews, and they call themselves Yahwistic uh, Jews, Jews that believe in Yahweh. Anyway, there is a very interesting groups of papyri. It's like a hundred of them, or, or hundreds actually, spending over a hundred years of correspondence between these soldiers over there and the priests in Jerusalem. And one of the letters is actually saying, hey guys, it's Passover. Uh, how do we really celebrate it? What do we really do? We have a temple here and we wanted to get some instruction for them. And they even mention Yahoo, that's how they call Yahweh. It's kind of funny that, you know, my email is in Yahoo. I guess I was attracted to Yahoo because it sounds like Yahweh, but apparently that's the way they called uh, their God, Yahoo. Yahoo. So anyway, in Yahoo, what they are basically talking about is that we also wanted to celebrate Anat Yahoo. Anat, by the way, is a goddess that was also very popular in Saudi Arabia, uh, in Mecca. So... Um, Anat Yahu is the wife, basically, of Yahu, and they send it over there, and it's not like one of the priests there in Jerusalem sends them a letter, how dare you talk about a goddess, there is no goddess. They're just like, yeah, sure, yeah, this is what you do, you put makeup here, you do this for her, and there is no discussion, A, that you shouldn't worship a goddess, and B, that there is a temple outside of Jerusalem. And that is very significant because it basically one of the most is violation of the uh, Deuteronomic law. So what do we know? If this is happening 419 BCE and the priests over there in Jerusalem are not saying anything, and this is after the Reformation that happened 700 BCE, 800 BCE, right, in the temple. So we know, A, that there were a lot of temples outside of Jerusalem. B, that the goddess was still there, very active, thank you very much. And C, that everything we hear in Deuteronomy and all those laws, anti-gay laws, anti-women laws, stoning your children and all that, was not written by Moses. It was redacted and edited way after, probably around three, 400 BCE, at least early, uh, later than 419 BCE. So all these people that are quoting all these laws against everybody, basically is just have to realize, yes, it's in the Bible, but no, it was not written by God. No, David didn't know about this law. Moses either didn't know about that law because it happened about 600, 700, maybe 800 BC after that, 800 years after Moses or after David. And it was basically edited by some priests, you know. So that's something interesting that you can take from these little uh, um, letters over there. So it's like the gospel said, it ain't necessarily so. Now, for what's happening April 1st. April 1st, we have a new moon in Aries. This is a very significant new moon. It's one of the most important new moons of the year. Why? Because it's the first new moon of the year. And we're talking about the first of the first. 
you know, the first of his kind. So why is it so important? Because on January, on uh, April 1st, not only it is April 1st, which is the day that is associated with the Joker, the fool, we'll see in a second why, but it's also the first new moon of the year because the year starts on the equinox, right? On the spring equinox on the 20, 21st of March. So the first new moon of the year is extremely important. It's very, very powerful. So it's the beginning of the beginning. So this is, again, another time that if you want to, yeah, I don't like the New Year resolution. I'm going to start a new one, if you don't mind. Uh, this is a great time to start. So if you wanted to start something new, there is no retrograde. There's no Mercury in Pisces mini retrograde. Look at the chart. It's completely clean. So a great time to start uh, something new in your life to ignite something. Now, look at the degrees of the sun and the moon in Aries, 11 degrees. And we said we have to start paying attention to the degrees of the uh, planet or the lunation because it, the number itself carries a meaning and 11 is a master number. It's kind of funny because uh, it is half of, two, of 22 and it's basically the master number and 22, 2 times 11, is the master builder. It's the master building his temple or her temple. So 11 if you could um, focus on something new that relates to your identity, that relates to action and movement, something that demands action in your uh, resolution, because we have it on top of Chiron, or Chiron, which is the wounded healer, and because you have it on the other side with Mercury, we have a really powerful cluster of planets there in, uh, in April 1st. All of it is in Aries, the first sign. We have Mercury in Aries, 9 degrees. We have the Sun in Aries, 11 degrees. The Moon in Aries, 11 degrees. Chiron in Aries, 12 degrees. And Minerva in Aries, 17 degrees Aries. So it's definitely a stellium. Stellium basically means a cluster of um, planets. Uh, so it's as if you're watering your uh, Milky Way, right? You're the river. You're watering it. But now the hose is full of pressure. So you can reach places that you haven't watered before but in this case it's not so much water it's more fire so we have on this new moon a lot of oh i'm just talking about water and the water started so it's a, a strong energy that has to do with action imagination let's say action uh, initiation you can get a little bit impulsive, so you have to be a little bit careful with that. It is also the sign of just war. So it's really interesting that Minerva is right now in Aries favoring people who fight for the right cause. And this Mercury, uh, this Virgo, sorry, this Minerva in Aries has been there for a while. So this is, of course, astrologically speaking at least, one of the reasons why Ukrainians are so far, and I hope they continue, are literally winning this war even with all the sacrifice they have to do. After all, it is a sacrifice year. But that's Minerva, the goddess of just wars, favoring just wars, meaning wars that are fought for the right reason. So, of course, she cannot favor uh, the aggressor in this case. The moon and the sun in Aries, uh, right on top of Chiron, means healing your identity, healing your image of yourself. It is also a very powerful healer of the head because Aries rules the head and everything that has to do with how you lead people, how you lead your own life, how you make yourself 
stand up or get up in the morning and do things. So it basically is a call to action that has to do with healing, especially healing old wounds, things that you carry a long time. Don't forget that Aerie, that Kiron has been in Aries since 2018 until 2027. It's a long time that Kiron spends in Aries. We said he spends the most amount of time in Aries. The rest of the signs, he might stay a year, two years in Aries. He stays nine years. And we talked about it. Why? Because Chiron was in the mythological tradition of Greece, the teacher of the fighters, the warriors. He taught them music, just like David knew how to play music. The harp, he taught them medicine because if you get injured or even if you injure other people, you should know how to fix them. And the whole idea of Chiron is, yes, I can teach you how to kill, but I can also teach you how to heal. That whole idea of killing and healing are very much in line with each other. And also sometimes to heal someone, you have to kill whatever caused their disease in them. And that might be almost feeling like you're killing them. Oh, don't kill me. But in the process of healing you, I might have to kill you. And that's part of the message of the sun and moon and Chiron happening this week. Again, it's happening right on April 1st, which is a Friday. And April 1st is, of course, the day of the Joker, the Fool. Uh, the Fool is the green man. So it's not only because nature is coming back to us and we can actually start seeing the trees that lost their leaves starting to get regain their green coat, but it's also the idea of jumping into the unknown, making that leap of faith. You see that in the tarot cards of the fool, if the rider deck, you see him about to uh, jump down the cliff. Uh, he's looking up. He might not even know that he is under a cliff. But I think it's like the cartoons. You know how the cartoons, they jump, they run, 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 run. They go over the uh, cliff and they keep running until they look down and realize that they're on the cliff and then they fall. This is true. This is actually true. It's a true story. I mean, don't try it. But... Energetically speaking, that's the idea that uh, this inertia, sometimes we have this inertia, even inertia of pain. Sometimes we have these terrible times and we think it's just going on and on and on and on, not realizing, hey, you're over it. It's uh, spring already. It's not winter anymore. Um, and then we start behaving like it is the new state of mind. So the same thing with the fool. He's about to jump down the cliff, which is a presentation of the leap of faith, the jumping into the unknown. And uh, he holds a bag of um, uh, air, folis. Fool comes from the word folis, and it's the idea of uh, carrying air in your bag. But air is potential. So when you carry air in your bag, it's basically a magical bag, one of these bags that you can take out whatever it is that you need because it doesn't have anything. And because of that, it has everything, you know, because something comes out of nothing. The creation came out of ein. According to Kabbalah, out of emptiness, out of nothingness, out of shunyata, according to Buddhism. So the, the fool is carrying a bag of nothing. So he feels like he's lying to you, but he's not. Actually, ask him uh, what you need and, or tell him what you need and he's going to take it out of his bag. So the same thing is happening on April 1st. That's why it's considered to be a day where you can uh, pull on pranks, like we said, um, because it is kind of nothing. So even if I tell you something wrong or bad, it's really a nothing kind of uh, situation. It's not going to be, in a sense, a real thing, right? Besides that, it's the letter Aleph in Hebrew. So it's interesting. We have uh, the first new moon in the year happening on the first day of April, which is the letter Aleph, which is the first letter in the alphabet. That's why we have Alpha, which later on became A. So what A is, is basically the sound that was in alpha, 
which is Greek, but Alpha doesn't mean anything in Greek besides the sound Alpha. In Hebrew, Aleph, and in Semitic languages, it means quite a lot. So Aleph means uh, the ox, for example. Aleph means also to tame, to to tame that ox, to Aleph. Aleph also means a thousand. It's kind of the funny thing about how you have the one, the first letter, and then you can add as many zeros as you want. It doesn't really matter because zeros don't exist, right? Therefore, it could be a thousand, it could be one. And Aleph also means uh, the champion. This is the joker, the fool that is the champion. So remember, the same way that the joker or the fool in the tarot card contains all the rest of the major arcana, and the same way that the joker in the playing card can be replaced by any other card, on April 1st, you have the potential of pulling out of that bag of air whatever it is that you need for the next year. Therefore, it's a great time to do some kind of a deep meditation and ignite your new resolution all over again. So that will be recommended. The other thing, if you noticed in this chart, is we talked about it. Chiron is sitting right on top of the sun and the moon. And when you talk with Chiron or you work with Chiron, I think I mentioned him a lot because I think that he is probably one of my most favorite characters in uh, the Greek mythology. I think Apollo is definitely the archetype that I connect to the most. And Chiron is the adopted son, so I'm not that far from him. Chiron, we mentioned him again. His father was Kronos or Saturn or the Lord of Time. And he had sex with a, a nymph. Anyway, uh, his wife came right when he was penetrating her. And he, of course, transformed into a horse because that was his reflex. Maybe his moon was in Sagittarius. And the moon always is how you behave in a, when your wife catches you having sex with someone else. So the moon, that's a great definition, actually. From now on, if you want to know what your moon sign is, your moon sign is however you would behave if you're caught by your partner having sex with somebody else. Because that moment, that, that moment, that instinct of how to behave, some people might get aggressive. How dare you come here without knocking on the door? What knocking on the door? It's my, it's my house. It's my bedroom. It doesn't matter. You should knock on the door first. So that's moon in Aries. You know, so anyway... His moon might have been in Sagittarius because the first thing that Kronos did, that think, thought about, is to transform himself into a horse. I don't know what. He thought his wife would say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that my husband was having sex with you. I see that it's a horse having sex with you. Oh, that's totally fine. That's totally normal. You can continue. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to go away. What? You know, but anyway, for the Greek, that totally made sense. He transformed into a horse and therefore the wife got the, 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 the you know, the alternative uh, girlfriend or whatever he was having sex with had actually a combination of a sperm of a horse and a human. And what she had coming out of her after nine months, supposedly, is a centaur, a little baby horse that is half horse, half human. And, of course, she felt terrible about this. She thought he was really ugly and she abandoned him. So how do you work with Chiron or Chiron? What do you do in Chiron when the sun and the moon and Chiron are together on the new moon right this week? You start working with the process of Chiron, the wounded healer. And that is a great time to do that during Aries because it can make you that Patroclus or that Achilles or that Hercules that were his uh, famed students, right? So the first thing that happens to us is abandonment. And today when I was preparing this slide for you, this is, by the way, a, a Centaurus, one of the biggest constellations we have, which are named after Chiron. You can see, actually, it kind of looks like a centaur compared to other constellations. The first stage of our evolution is abandonment. And I thought about it, not everybody's abandoned. Come on, there's people who are not. And then I thought, no, 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 we are all abandoned. The minute we are 
pushed into the sperm and, and uh, ovum connection between our mother and father's uh, cells, you know, we are kidnapped, in a sense, from the divine, from that oneness, from that feeling of uh, at once. We're basically abandoned by God and goddess and thrust into this life here down on earth. We are expelled from heaven, right? Like Adam and Eve, we are expelled from that sense of oneness. God is sending us out there to this terrible place with people like Putin and Stalin and, and you know, the like. And we have to deal with it, right? We're abandoned by God and goddess, by that oneness. So all of us, in a sense, are abandoned. God does not abandon us because we're ugly. I mean, no, I don't think so. So that mythology, again, mythologies are kind of symbol to make it more interesting. The idea of all of us being abandoned by the one when we're born is kind of makes sense. And then what happened? We have an adoption. Chiron was adopted by Apollo and Artemis. Apollo is the god of prophecy and astrology. He's the god of reason. He's the god of um, healing. And therefore, of course, Chiron had all these uh, abilities. Artemis, his twin sister of Apollo, was the goddess of the moon. She taught him how to hunt, uh, the knowledge of herbs, of course. That's why Chiron was the healer and also was associated with um, hunting. So we are adopted by the sun and the moon. And how beautiful it is. We're given a chart. And in the chart, we have the sun and the moon. Do you have the sun sign and the moon sign? Those adopt us. So your sun sign and your moon sign are the signs that adopted you. That from those signs, you get your skills, you get your superpowers, you get your abilities to function in this world after being abandoned by the one, right? But in many ways, it is your biological mother or father or your adopted mother or father. You know, whoever raised you, in a sense, is your Apollo and your Artemis. And you got a little bit of their skills, a little bit of their skills, a little bit of these genes, a little bit of that genes. You're a mixture of that. Then you grow up, just like Chiron, under the tutelage of Apollo and Artemis. And you're downloading all of these positive traits and developing it. Okay, my father is really tall. I'm kind of tall. I'm going to start playing basketball. I don't really like basketball, but I guess I'm tall and my father was a basketball player. I'll do the same. So that's how we are. We can start con downloading or, or dealing with these traits that we got from our parents. Then there is a stage in life we're wanting to share it and we want to share it. We want to be uh, giving to other people what was given to us, especially because we have the memory of being abandoned by the one, right? After that, at the end, there is some sacrifice. Sorry, but the sacrifice has to somehow come. In the case of Chiron, he was wounded by one of his own students, Hercules or somebody else that had the poison on his sword. Remember, we talked about it. He lost, uh, I mean, he basically got uh, injured in a way that he cannot be healed. And therefore, even the gods couldn't heal him. He couldn't heal himself. That's a tragedy of the uh, cobbler that walks barefoot or the psychologist that's crazy or the dentist with rotten teeth. Okay, so that's what happened. We have a healer who doesn't are not able to heal himself because there is no antidote. There is no vaccine to his virus, in a sense. But the gods grant him immortality. So because of his affliction, because of his um, dead end situation, he gets to be immortal, which is the opposite than a, an end. But it's going to be an, an eternity of suffering because he constantly has that pain of the poison in him. So it's long COVID, in a sense, very long COVID, a COVID that lasts for eternity. And eventually what um, a, this uh, wise Chiron does, he sacrifices his immortality and he gives it to Prometheus. Prometheus, by the way, is the one that stole the fires of the gods to grant humanity the ability to create. 
to to be able to overcome the fact that they do not have long nails and sharp teeth and that we're not very buff and strong like other uh, animalitas. So the idea was to help the helper. So what happened with Chiron did, he gave his immortality to another teacher. How do I know that Prometheus is a teacher? Well, Prometheus' punishment for bringing the fire of the gods, fire, by the way, is Sagittarius. Sagittarius, we mentioned, is a fire sign. It's a mutable fire sign. It's the sign that fire sign that moves from one place to another, from Olympus to the earth. And his punishment was to be eaten. His liver is eaten by an eagle, which is the symbol of Zeus. It's Scorpio, of course. And every night, the, uh, the liver regenerated. And every morning, it was, again, chopped liver to the um, uh, eagle. So liver is the, the element or the part of the body that is related to Sagittarius, which, again, is the teacher. That's why it was so important in the New Testament to show that, that Christ was stabbed in his liver. That's the same reason why Odin was stabbed in his liver. That's, again, the idea of the teacher being associated with liver and that's what teaching is teaching is supposed to absorb the poisons of our body and cleanse it be, be like a filter of poison what is poison disinformation lies ignorance that's the poison the teachers are supposed to help us and funny way funny enough um, mass communication which include tv podcasting and so forth is ruled by sagittarius the purpose of mass t mass media is to tell the truth but you know we are now in an era which definitely uh, that's not the case. I don't think it's now. It's been for a while. But anyway, that's the idea of the sacrifice. And at the end, the reward of the sacrifice being projected into the skies and becoming a constellation, uh, your wish is fulfilled. So it's as if what we have to focus on in this New Year resolution that you're reigniting on, January f on, ap on April 1st is the acceptance of the fact that you're human because you're abandoned by God, the adoption of your parents. Even uh, Khalil Gibran told us uh, in The Prophet that parents are only lent their kids so they can raise them. And then they need to let them go because uh, kids are not, the parents don't own their kids. They just have, they get them on a, on a lending situation. It's very much like the story in the Bible of Hannah getting Samuel uh, to be her son for four years and then she needed to give him away. Or like the mother of the Dalai Lama that raised him for three years, four years until the priest came and said, hey, I mean, your kid is a Dalai Lama. We need to take him and uh, raise him. That's an extreme situation. That's a mythological situation. But overall, that's what happens to all of us. Then we share our uh, gift, whatever it is we're given, Anytime you have some superpower, you have to pay for it, either through a lot of hard work, that's your sacrifice, or your believe in yourself, then there is the reward, uh, becoming immortal for the work that you have done. So, that is the new moon. Yeah, I will keep it for, yeah, Putin cancel we talked about. Let's see what is happening to us um, this week. It's, I'm going to share with you the... Um, chart and because we don't have mercury in pisces it actually is working so a uh, march 27 today as you can see mercury zero zero aries just moved into aries so that's great we're gonna have him now in aries until about february i told you until april 10 or so then it's gonna move into taurus we'll talk about it when it happens mercury in taurus is worry it's a little bit too much worry but um Mercury in Aries is not too bad. 
Um, I have Mercury in Aries for uh, for a while. It kind of saved me sometimes, especially without having any air signs in my chart. So it's kind of a miracle. I told you that I'm actually writing or speaking. No, it's not the miracle that I'm writing and speaking because that any fool can do. The fact that somebody is actually reading it without having any air signs, that's, that's kind of uh, a miracle. But anyway, Mercury in Aries, you can be impulsive. Mercury in Aries can cause you to say things that maybe you're going to go like, uh-oh. Mercury in Aries um, uh, should sometimes first and then ask questions. Mercury in Aries can be very impulsive, but flashes of intuition. It's very fiery communication, very fast speed, very moving much better. So again, if Mercury rules communication and businesses and contracts and connection, things are now going to move faster, much, much faster. Now, Jupiter is going to be on top of Neptune more most of this year, most of this week. This is going to be great for anybody who does yoga or if you've stopped doing yoga. This is a great time to go back to it. Stretching, poetry, start reading poetry more. Uh, look at comic, um, uh, graphic novels, uh, animation, anything that can trigger your imagination or connect you to water or connect you to dance or, or meditation. Dream work could be very, very strong because you're talking about Neptune and Jupiter. Both of them are the ruler of Pisces. One of them is the old one, Jupiter. The other one is the new one, Mer Neptune. And they're coming together this week. I mean, this is very rare. It happens about every 12, 13 years. Uh, and it only happens when Neptune is in Pisces. Uh, that's been going on since 2012, but it's not going to last that long. Look, it's already 23 degrees. And then 185 years, we're going to have to wait until these two guys come together. So Jupiter in Neptune once in 185 years. So that's a big deal. So definitely this week is pretty intense. We have the new moon and we have at the same time Jupiter touching your Neptune. And again, for Piscean people, it's great. For Cancer, Scorpios, it will be great. But in general, for all of us who deal with intuition, mysticism, dance, movement, um, the inner world, this is going to be a great, great week for all of those things. The moon is touching Vesta <coughs> today. Vesta is an asteroid that has to do a lot with uh, keeping the flame up. And it's a very traditional energy. It's almost like Saturn, but a little bit more uh, traditional in the sense, like think instead of far-right movements traditional, think more about nuns traditional. Uh, that's more the Vesta. Uh, Mercury, sorry, Venus is very much on Saturn right now. It is interesting because it starts to mess around with our concepts of relationship, especially because this conjunction of uh, Saturn and Venus is happening with squaring the North Node and the South Node. Anytime something happens to the North and the South Node, we know uh, something screaming, karma! You know, so there's a lot of karma movement right now in relationships. Old stuff coming out, a lot of healing in the same time, meeting people that you might have known in past lifetime or in the past in this lifetime. So it's interesting. And a lot of them are people that you might have known for many lifetimes or people who are older than you or people that you've known for a long, long time in this life. And it could be also related to friends. It's not only about um, uh, partners in life in that sense. So what we're doing, uh, what's happening tomorrow? Today and tomorrow, the moon is in Aquarius. I think it's going to link also into Tuesday. The moon in Aquarius is all about people, communities, groups, organizations. We talked about a few countries that have the moon in Aquarius. United States, Russia, Ukraine, even though Ukraine is not a country, I know. But still. It's um, it's interesting that the moon is now in all of these countries' uh, um, situation in this country's chart, and we had that um, discussion yesterday with Biden about uh, 
saying what everybody's thinking besides Russian and some uh, some Russian, sorry, and Chinese that Putin needs to go. I don't know if you noticed lately there was this new phenomena in Russia uh, that a lot of Russians are basically going to the street with the Russian flag, but without the red part. And they show how they erase the red part, red representing blood. But it's interesting because red representing Aries. And that's what we're having now. We're in Aries. And Aries, of course, is war. So they want to take out of their flag the redness of it, the war, anything. I think it's really beautiful. I mean, that's what happened when you have this amazingly rich, intense, deep culture of Russia that is being kidnapped by a really disturbing group of people because it's not only Putin. Now you can see that there is a whole group of people there that are benefiting with it. Anyway, the moon on top of Venus tomorrow is an instinct of making money. So you might get a really good idea about uh, finance. And because Saturn is there, it's probably going to be practical, but maybe take a long time to manifest. So again, very good energy around money, around talents, around self-worth. Um, if you always wanted to start something new in connection to uh, art, this is going to be a great time for you uh, this week, but especially uh, March 28th, Monday, Tuesday. And especially if that thing that you want to do with art has to do with community or for community or for people. Anything to do with nonprofit, philanthropic work, really good energy right now. And you can see Jupiter getting closer and closer to Neptune and creating a beautiful triangle to the North Node and a sextile to the sorry to a sextile to the north node and a trine to the south node again this is really positive karma watch your dreams your dreams are going to be very uh, instructive in the next um, few days on tuesday we have the moon shifting into pisces and that's going to join jupiter and neptune especially on wednesday so wednesday is the peak of that dreamy a Piscean energy that is good without the Mercury messing things around. So you're going to have Jupiter and Neptune, which loves to be in Pisces, and the Moon, which doesn't mind at all being in Pisces. And it's going to be very, very psychic, very intuitive, full of um, imagination and, and joy. Jupiter in Pisces in the Tarot card is the card of happiness. It's the Nine of Discs. It's uh, the Nine of Cups. It's a really good energy overall. Um, what else we have is a Mars on top. Yeah, Mars is getting closer and closer to Saturn. Mars on top of Saturn means sometimes that you feel like you're banging your head against the wall and nothing moves. Uh, also, you feel like you're gathering your troops around to conquer something new. So it's a feeling of uh, military energy. So it's going to be interesting to see what's happening towards the end of the week over there in Ukraine because there seems to be the tides are uh, shifting. And also... Uh, Mercury is getting closer and closer to the sun, which always gives us a lot of sense of clarity. Remember, we talked about how that's going to happen around the, the uh, new moon. The day after, on Wednesday, we have the moon coming closer and closer to that conjunction of Jupiter and Neptune. Like I told you, Wednesday, Thursday, very good watery days, meaning that those are going to be great days to spend around water, to be receptive, to get information, to do a lot of deep meditations that can help you retrieve information or pay attention to dreams. That's because the moon in Pisces is going to be on top of Jupiter and Neptune. Then th Friday, Saturday on the new moon in Aries, that would be a great time for action. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday, absorbing. Th Friday, Saturday, Sunday, putting out. Okay, so that will be easier to work like that with the planets. And especially the end of the week. I mean, we're talking about Wednesday, Thursday. You're going to have a lot of, um, again, good energy coming from past lifetime. Past lifetime doesn't always have to be karma and bad. It could also be retrieving gifts and skills and people. 
Then on um, a Thursday, we are shifting towards the moon moving into Aries. It uh, depends where you are in the world. It's going to happen sometimes in the middle of the day. Uh, we're going to have uh, the moon, Mercury, Sun, Chiron, Minerva, like we promised, in Aries, Thursday, Friday. That's action. So again, Tuesday, Wednesday, half of Thursday, you can say reception. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, action, movement, starting new things. So that's how we can divide the year very good, uh, the week very good. And you look at what's happening on um, uh, Thursday. We have... Saturn being besieged, what is called, being like of, like flanked by Mars, the god of war, and Venus, the goddess of peace. And Saturn is there in the in between. Look at it. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's eerie. On March 31, right on the new moon, uh, 31, January, April 1st, we have Saturn three degrees away from Mars and Saturn three degrees away from Venus, both of them on the two sides of him. It's as if Saturn is walking and here is Venus, here is um, Mars, you know, like, um, like in the movies, like in trailers. So what you have is the masculine and feminine energies kind of besieging Saturn, which is the Lord of Karma, patience, persistence, endurance. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and also, at the same time, you can see the, the, the red lines going to the uh, north node and the south node. So a lot of karmic energy around sexuality, around relationships, around partnerships happening March 31 and January 1st. Then January 1st, it's officially the new moon. Depends where you are, but it's usually, it should be on Friday. And we see the continuation of that same drama with Saturn being with Mars and Venus. Uh, almost the same things happening. The only thing is the moon is going to be on top of Chiron, like we said, and the sun on that day, a new beginning, new energy. And the Sabian symbol of that day is a geese. I think it's something with geese, wasn't it? Uh, what is the Sabian symbol? Yeah, a flock of wild geese. So a flock of wild geese. Uh, I don't know what it means. I mean, the, some of these symbols I told you are right on. Some of them are kind of amorphic. Some of them are like really weird. Maybe we should look and see and wait and translate that when it actually comes. But that's the Sabian symbol for uh, April 1st. And April 2nd, we have the moon still in Aries on Saturday, which means, again, action, movement, doing things. There is no opposition still in the chart, so it's really good. There is no forces that are pushing and pulling in different directions. Uh, squares we have quite a lot, but a lot of them are coming from the points of karma, from past lives. And on Sunday, we're going to have the moon in Taurus on top of Uranus. It happens once a month. But the moon in Taurus is the moon of success, so it's all good. Let's see if there's any uh, things uh, that I can answer. I think that uh, I was asked if there is any global gifts that may come from the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. I think there are, but I don't know if it's going to be global as much as personal. And of course, if everybody gets some kind of gifts, maybe we have a tipping point where it kind of radiates towards everybody. But that's one of those things, you know how they say, if you can find 20,000 people that will meditate on peace, then there will be peace. That kind of stuff I'm more looking at for Jupiter on top of Neptune. If there could be a collective uh, decision on the planet to fix hunger or to avoid war or to have all weapons suddenly disappear, you know, that's the kind of stuff we're looking for Jupiter in Neptune. Um, ways to engage with past life karma coming up this week. Um, 
I would pay attention if any any kind of itches. You know how sometimes people have a baby itch or after being single for a long time and uh, every time they used to look at couples, they would go, oh my God, thank God I don't have a couple. And suddenly you get to this moment where you look at two people kissing and you're not feeling disgust, but you're feeling like an itch. So I would say that this week you're getting a lot of itches. The itches could be, I need to go to Vienna. I don't know why. I don't know. I need to go to Vienna. Okay, it's probably a past lifetime in Vienna that is calling you right now. Or you suddenly remember a book that you haven't read for a long, long time. Get that book and read because there might be a passage there that can help you burn karma. What is burning karma? Burning karma is basically being strong enough to be able to confront a situation that happened in the past and deal with it. That's what burning karma is. Most of it is not very nice. So that's why they call burning, but it's the purification of fire, in a sense. Um, April, Sabian April for, uh, sorry, Sabian symbol for April 1st, I told you it's the wild goose. Wild goose, wild goose chase. Aha, uh-huh. wild goose chase. There is that thing in English, no? Wild goose chase, I'm thinking about it in Hebrew. Um, Avazim. No, we don't have it in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it would sound terrible. No, it's in English. Um Wild goose chase. I guess it's impossible to 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 catch them. That's why it says wild goose chase. I guess it's the experience of trying to hunt them or catch them, and they're they're really fast or something. I don't know. I guess they're faster than ducks. Otherwise, it would be wild duck chase. Maybe that's related to uh, what is happening the end of the week. A important decision. Make choices this week. No, no. You can totally make good decisions this week, especially during the new year, uh, the new year, the new moon. Um, let's see if there's anything. Yeah, I was, um, uh, Charlotte was actually talking about it, uh, mentioning it. Do you remember, um, Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill? I totally do. So it's definitely something I was thinking about, um, about that. It's, um, you know, when, when it's not like taking somebody who had done nothing wrong and, pure everything and like leave him alone come on he's um a judge he's doing his best you know he didn't talk for like 10 years and now i understand his wife is probably constantly in his head texting him crazy sh- stuff so he doesn't want to talk he, he can't talk anymore um but um you know definitely listen to tchaikovsky his piano concert i mean is unbelievable i mean he's a genius a genius but read his biography because he suffered tremendously from people like Putin who dare um, bring him up as an example of uh, unity with him because he's also being cancelled by. And by the way, with this whole cancelling thing, I heard that somebody in the United States did cancel 1812 because it's like glorifying um, war coming from Russia. And you even in the concert, you feel, you hear the drums that play out the, uh, the bombs, you know, and the cannon. So, okay, change it or... Change it with another of Tchaikovsky um, pieces. And if it's too hard for you to practice, get some symphony that uh, you do know how to play for him or from or from Mahler or from uh, Rachmaninov or from... I mean, God knows Russians are, I mean, ruling the classical world. I mean, you have so many options there. Do a homage to maybe one of those composers who was fighting, for example, with uh, the communist era or... You know, elevate all of these dissident cultures, uh, icons that we have from the, the Soviet times, from the Tsar times. I mean, 
Russians have been fighting Russians for a long, long time. There's a lot of very good art uh, ballets that you can use with Russia. I think that on the, on the, the, the opposite, we should have more Russian culture coming up because cultures do connect and to make sure that they are done with people who are conscious. That's all. Um, let's see. Flight grease on land is called goggle. Goggle in flight, it becomes a skein team. I'm probably pronouncing it all wrong. But it's really interesting. A flock of wild geese on land is called goggle. It's like Google, but with an A. Uh, in flight, it becomes a skein. Oh, my God. Skein team. That sounds like a, uh, like a scary uh, thing. Anyway, uh, maybe it's some airplanes. Maybe they decide to give Zelensky some airplanes. I don't know. Wild geese. Maybe they'll harness geese or maybe Putin will come with another conspiracy thing that probably in Fox News they're going to show everywhere that wild geese are now being used to throw chemical weapons on the Russians or to um, uh, uh, being used to contaminate Russia like they did with um, uh, what they said that they do with birds. So, um, ah, geese are not easily bullied. That's a great thing. So we are not going to be easily bullied by the bullers. And again, bull is very much a Taurus. So hmm, we have it all now. The all animal farm is coming back at us. Anyway, have a wonderful week. Uh, laugh a lot on April 1st. Activate your heart. Uh, you don't need to do any pranks. Fox News will do it for you. And um, if you want, I mean, the only day on the year that you should watch, uh, uh, Carl, uh, what's his name? Tucker. I constantly try to push him out of my head. Carlson Tucker, the only Tucker and the Tuckers, Tucker, Tucker and the Truckers. The only day you should listen to Fox News or watch them is on April 1st, because then you're going to have a good reason why all the lies and disinformation is happening. They're just being good people that are trying to pull a prank. And then after April 1st, you can uh, cut your uh, subscription. Anyway, have an amazing week. I hope you have a beautiful new moon and we'll see you next week. The help of the good goddess that we established.